Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Monday, February 1st. Today on the show, a really, really good weekend for college basketball fans in the state of Tennessee and a not-so-good weekend for hockey fans. But we begin with A to Z Sports' Buck Rising to talk about the new-ish offensive and defensive coordinators for the Tennessee Titans. The 440 is built by the Kingston Group, Nashville's award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. So let me give you guys some quick insight into how my marriage works. My wife is a big-time planner. She's the idea person. She comes up with the big concepts. I'm the doer. I execute. She's ownership, I'm the general manager. And we like everything to be carefully processed and analyzed on the front end, especially if you're gonna spend a whole lot of money on something, like say a new home or major remodel. And you know who else is like this? The Kingston Group, except they will do all of that heavy lifting for you. The Kingston Group is one of the few firms in Nashville in which the design process is handled in-house so that everything is aligned on the front end. And I don't know about you, but our anxiety levels go way down when we have a carefully laid out and thoughtful plan in place. And this is what the Kingston Group does. They align their process with your vision. It's why we use the Kingston Group, and it's why you should too. I'll let their work do the talking, though. Go check out their stuff at buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com. Mike Vrabel has finally settled on his offensive and defensive coordinators for the 2021 season. He has elevated tight ends coach Todd Downing to the role of offensive coordinator and has simply retitled Shane Bowen as now officially the defensive coordinator. I have two very different reactions to these two moves, and we'll explain that in a moment. But let's bring in Buck Rising of A to Z Sports to give everyone a sense as to what these two decisions will mean for the Tennessee Titans coming up this season. Todd Downing is very much in the same vein as, as Matt LaFleur and Arthur Smith uh, after him. He's a very analytical driven coach who is going to not be overly abrasive in his coaching style. He's not going to find creative ways to use the F word while trying to get you motivated. He's going to explain to you what it is that he's doing. And he's going to ask you, he's going to want you to ask him why, why are we doing these things? Why are we running these plays? And he's going to inform you as best he can. Now he's a little more, he's got a little more personality than, uh, than LaFleur and Arthur Smith had to them. But I would say that outside of that, the offense really is not going to look a whole lot different because the players are largely in place for him to build the offense out around. It's still Derrick Henry. It's still Ryan Tannehill. It's just going to be about play calling tendencies. So then we look on the other side of the football. And again, how much of the failing of the 2020 Titans defense do you place on the coaching staff? And then what makes you believe that Shane Bowen and Mike Vrabel can solve those problems without making any major adjustments or changes to the staff? I'd say about two quarters uh, or no, not two quarters, two quarters is a half. I would say one <laughs> half of the blame. I'm an idiot. Uh, I would say, I would say one half of the blame falls on the coaching staff. And then I would think you would have to find a different kind of fraction divide uh, to divide it up between, you know, the players and the, uh, and the, and the people responsible for putting the players in place. But, you know, largely the complaint that I would hear from players throughout the course of the season was it's too complex. We are being bogged down by our inability to communicate. And then they would get in front of the zoom publicly and say, you know, communication, communication, communication. It's a, it's a cry for help. Every time I hear Kevin Byard or another player do that, because there are too many alerts. There are too many checks for every kind of formation within that defense. And they could be installing something in training camp that they come back and run in week 10 but because it's been installed as a part of the defense, the players are expected to know how to execute. 
that's not necessarily the best strategy. I think that that's something that Mike are going to have to work because it's not Shane Bowen's defense. Shane Bowen is running Mike Vrabel's defense. Special thanks to Buck for giving us some insight into both Downing and Bowen. Let's start with the good news. I agree with Buck that Downing, who called plays for Oakland and Jack Del Rio back in 2017, was by far the best in-house candidate. And after Vrabel did poke around the league for another option, he settled on continuity, which is okay in this case on the offensive side of the ball, you know, because they were good. This is definitely not what happened on the defensive side. There's continuity, and then there's just outright stubbornness. Vrabel didn't offer Dean Pease the defensive coordinator job, but instead a lesser role with a more unofficial title, and, well, we saw how that worked out. He's working for Arthur Smith now in Atlanta. By giving Bowen the coordinator job, you are suggesting that the defensive coaching staff did a perfectly fine job in 2020 with one of the worst defenses in the NFL. The reality is it's not all on the coaches. The players have to take some responsibility, and John Robinson deserves plenty of blame for his weak showing in both the NFL draft and free agency, but no real meaningful changes on the staff at all. Okay. There's a new defensive line coach, Konechi Udezi, which is cool because Nashville definitely knows him from his time at Vanderbilt, but essentially Vrabel is doubling down on Shane Bowen, who was for all intents and purposes, the defensive coordinator last year. He did everything a DC does. He just did it without the title. As Buck said, the scheme needs to be simplified. With a great year of talent acquisition from Robinson and maybe some tweaks to the system, could this unit get better? I guess, sure. But getting to the Super Bowl is the goal right now for this team. You've been to the playoffs in three of the last four years. You've been to the AFC Championship game, and you possess the best offense in franchise history. Running it back is basically Mike Vrabel, in effect, saying that last year wasn't our fault on the coaching staff. And I, for one, simply find that hard to believe. Rick Barnes gave his team, let's call it a heart-to-heart on Friday night, about doing your job and playing your role before the Vols hosted a top-20 Kansas team on Saturday afternoon. He also switched up his starting lineup as star freshman Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson started together for the first time all year. And the entire squad responded in a huge way. The 80-61 win was arguably the best showing of the year for the Tennessee Volunteers. Johnson hit a bucket on the second possession to take the lead, and Big Orange never trailed for a single moment the rest of the way. In fact, they built a massive first-half lead, and the Jayhawks never really challenged. It was a much-needed moment for a team struggling on offense and struggling in general to find its footing just a few weeks away from March. They shot the ball extremely well from the outside, they dominated the glass, and the veterans responded to Barnes's message with big-time performances from guys like East Ponds, who led all scorers with 17 points, and Josiah Jordan-James, who had a game-high 11 rebounds. It was a statement win to cap a critical 2-0 week for Tennessee basketball. The Vols need to hope that this monster performance on Saturday catapults them into the next two weeks because there are some big games coming. UT will go on the road on Tuesday night to Old Miss, but then will face Kentucky in Rupp Arena on Saturday before facing two teams ahead of them in the SEC standings the following week, Florida and LSU. There's a pretty good chance that this two-week stretch will go a long way in determining the Vols' seeding in the NCAA tournament. If you go 4-1 and one or better in this stretch, you are back competing for a 2-3 or three seed potentially. If you post a few ugly offensive showings and lose a few times, then you are probably more in that 5-seed territory like they are right now. Either way, it's a huge stretch for Tennessee basketball, and they got it started right with a dominant performance against Kansas on Saturday. Additionally, Belmont capped yet another 2-0 week with a one-point win over Murray State on Saturday. The Bruins are now 18-1 overall, 12-0 in the OVC, and have more wins than any other team in America. 
According to ESPN and Joe Lenardi, this team is currently in that 12 to 13 seed range, and that is at-large bubble territory, which is a good place to be for a team that normally has to win its league to get into the big dance. The Nashville Predators got a big boy challenge on Saturday night in Tampa against the Lightning, and it didn't end well, a 4-3 loss. A sloppy first period actually did finish with a flourish as Nashville shockingly scored a power play goal, which was just the third such goal of the entire season. But then Tampa scored four unanswered goals in the second period to take a 4-1 lead entering the final frame. And while Nashville scored late after pulling the goalie to make it a one-goal game, the Lightning were clearly the better team for the majority of the contest, and the score wasn't really indicative of how the game played out. Two of Tampa's four goals came on the power play, of course, and so Nashville is still dead last in killing penalties and has allowed an absurd 12 goals and 33 chances on the PK this year. For a quick comparison, Detroit was the worst penalty kill in the NHL last season at 74%. Nashville is killing just 63% of their penalties currently. And this is supposed to be John Hines' strength? The Predators did score another power play goal in the third period when Matthew Olivier became the first Mississippi-born player to score an NHL goal, which means Nashville scored as many power play goals on Saturday, too, as they had scored in all of their first seven games combined this season. Nashville is still one of the worst power plays in the league. Pekka Rene got the start in a non-back-to-back situation, so the UC Saros-Rene playing time split is something to keep an eye on moving forward. Saros is still obviously the guy, but it is something worth watching. It was just the first regulation win by Tampa over Nashville since December of 2013, ending a long streak of dominance by the Preds in this series. And the same two teams are back on the ice in Tampa on Monday night at 6 p.m. Love those early start times. And while they showed some fight in the third period, a more competitive showing is critical for the Predators. So far this year, against the best three teams they've faced, Carolina, Dallas, and Tampa, Nashville is 0-4 and has been outscored 18-7 in those games. The need for a good showing on Monday night cannot be overstated. The 440 is built every single morning for you by the Kingston Group, an award-winning, locally-owned, custom home and remodeling firm. Go check out the website buildkg.com and you will see that this company is all about alignment. This simple concept is what has made the Kingston Group successful for over a decade in Nashville. The Kingston Group is about taking time to work through every step of the process on the front end so that your vision for your home is aligned with the work that is going to be delivered. They are one of the few firms in the city that does the design work in-house for this exact reason so that there are no disconnects, no miscommunications, no misunderstandings, no missed deadlines. Go look at their work, buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.